that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you in a more media format because we're on video here today, which is very exciting. All ahead of the Summer Festival at Galway 2022. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the towers of bookmakers.com, which I am actually in. A lot of people don't believe that I ever am. Uh, Demo Nolan is here. Hello, Dino. How are you? Very well, Demo. Looking forward to a bit of Galway. We haven't spoken for a few months, given our normal sabbatical on the Race Hour, of course, where we try to avoid everything to do with flat racing, unless it's at Galway. Unless it's a Galway, yeah, we will dip our toe into Galway. We used to do Royal Ascot as well, but even that's gone at the, the kind of and the bottom's fallen out. Wayside now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah, they look absolutely thrilled to be back, you know. Great. And we've also got new friends, of course, with the tote being on board for this one-off special ahead of the Galway race meeting. So thank you very much to them. Do get involved uh, with the Bickley link, which you'll see on this screen, forward slash Galway 2022. And uh, of course, their Bet5 Get 20 offer on bookmakers.co.uk. Now, I have two very special guests for this Galway racing special. Uh, first one, it's, yeah, no introduction, really. And it's someone we've tried to get onto the race out many, many times and maybe the fleeting appearance here and there. It's Tom Lee, Channel 4, RTE, Bedford TV, Man United TV. Um, Tom, you're a bit of an expert on everything, but Galway must be close to your heart. Oh, that's the truth. That is absolutely the truth. And do you know what? After what's felt like a, a lifetime and eternity, to be back there is something just very special. So just itching for Monday, really, because I think every year it's not so much about the the race course it's about the people because uh, honest to god i think when, when you think of all the the different individuals and little groups and clusters of things that are going on not just at the track but what's going on off the track that week and all the excitement and all the razzmatazz and the color and just the sheer joy it brings to people and the money it brings into the town and the city and the surrounds you see at the minute by the time we get to galway on monday uh, we will know whether or not galway have won the football uh that would only put even more of a spring in people's step, but win or lose, it's going to be an amazing seven days. So I think when you see Galway Racecourse undressed without the tents and the marquees and the flags, it's like a beautiful woman with no makeup on. But for those seven days, she is a supermodel. She's an A, literally a Hollywood A-lister, uh, the most gorgeous girl you've ever seen. So honestly, bring it on very close to my heart. Uh, been every year since 2007. And hopefully don't intend to stop anytime soon. Great week coming up. Yeah, can't wait. It's some, it's some, uh, it's some week of racing and an atmosphere that I think a lot of other festivals would like to create, but just can't. There is something magical about Galway. If they do bring the Sam Maguire there, Dermot Nolan would be very upset, but it's a different podcast, so uh, we won't. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just very impressed in that you actually know what Sam Maguire is, to be fair to you. So. I just heard on the radio this morning, Demo. I appreciate the... the, the the, the truth, the truth bomb there. That's very fair. <laughs> very fair indeed. The other man that we've got on uh, on this one-off special, of course, uh, brought to you with the tote for the Galway races, is Conor O'Hare. Now, Conor O'Hare has been on the podcast a few times before. This is the man who gets the whispers from everywhere across Ireland. So, and also, obviously, working with RT as you do, Conor, you're the man putting together all those fantastic montages that we get to watch on RT, which they do better than anywhere else. Oh, we're told anyway, Dean. But um, yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant to be back. Um, it was a weird couple of years down there. I was one of the lucky few to be down there the last couple of years. Nobody there 
2020. Then there was a small crowd last year, but just wasn't the same. Um, and yeah, building up to it now, looking through old archive and old tapes and seeing all the colour, it's um, it's bringing it right home. It's only a few days to go now, and Jesus, can't wait, can't wait to get down there. Um, busy week to work, but uh, the party will be good too, and uh, very much looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yeah, and do try and get you know the likes of Dermot, myself, Dave Weldon, all those interlows montages from the crowds if you can do it. <laughs> if you can find those clips, uh, sneak oh. them into the production, please. All the recognisable faces for sure. <laughs> all, all, all of. Yeah, I love the one of me behind uh, JP McManus with the with the dictaphone, <laughs> and you just go, "Is that who's that? Aidan O'Brien? Is it Roger Vary? Who's that guy? It's not. Yeah, no, it was me, unfortunately." <laughs> <laughs> when I actually hit the wet for a living. Good to have you with us, Connor. I must say as well, there's a special guest on here and Dermot Nolan caught up with him uh, during the week and that is the Totes Racing Ambassador, Danny Mullins. You'll be hearing from him uh, in the midsection of uh, this one-off special. Uh, do look out for it. Talk, of course, all about the plate and the hurdle and they are the subject of our first port of call for this podcast. We're going to kick off with the Galway plate, which uh, goes to the post on Wednesday. Um, Dermot, I'm going to come to you first on the plate. Uh, always a, a fantastic race, of course, to get stuck into. I didn't think that when we were waiting for um, Bob Ollinger against Gallopin Deschamps, of course, at Cheltenham, those other two pesky runners, Albar and Busselton, would be uh, right at the front of the mix for a Galway plate. But here they are. Is that Here they are. <laughs> and to, to be fair, Dean, I did say halfway through last season that I thought Busselton would be a Galway plate uh, runner. Mm. So the uh, the market, has it got half? Half of that, right? Bustling's been one of these funny horses. He's been handicapped in plain sight. That's that's the way that they've done it all season. He's, he's running in big races uh, from the the kind of toward, just after Christmas onwards. Really, he's been taking in some very very decent affairs. Uh, the run at at Cheltenham was genius from connections. They got very decent prize money for for finishing second in a race where they were never really involved in. And then a punch is down. That was that was a huge effort behind it. Elbara, uh, he just couldn't quite get the horse back, but. Jack Foley took five pounds off uh, and he gave him three pounds anyway. So that was eight pounds that they gave him that day. Um, the way that the weights have been kind of coalesced now means that they're it's much kinder on Bustleton. Uh, two pounds higher than that run as well. One last time on the flat to get himself ready for this. He's ran very well at Galway last season when just finding two miles too, a bit too sharp for him. Uh, I think Bustleton has every single thing in his favour here. I've been talking about this horse for a long time for this race. And uh, definitely not changing now. The ground's going to suit him as well. It's uh, good to yielding now at the moment. Um, everything will suit him. And he has the speed. He jumps well enough. Uh, JJ Slevin is a, f- a fantastic pilot. And uh, yeah, Dean, I really, really like Bustleton for this. Yeah, no shocks there, I don't think, for anyone who's been listening to the race hour uh, over the winter months, that all we did was just keep pegging uh, Bustleton for a Galway plate. The day is coming, the market has woken up as well. It's already come into kind of like second favourite around that price, around 10 to 1, I think it's probably the best out there um, at the moment for, for Bustleton. And uh, it's a very interesting runner. Tom, I'll come to you. This is a race where um, I don't think you want a lot of weight on your back. Trends will tell you that under 11 stone, if you, you're kind of out to ignore, maybe last year, it was 11 stone five, the winner carried. But under 11 stone is what you want. Horses like Fire Attack and Bustleton are fitting that at the top end of the market. The rest have got plenty to carry. No crowds in the Galway races for three years, but Dean Ryan's collection of anoraks grows ever stronger. Uh, you can tell coming out with that gear at the front of the podcast. Uh, good stuff, Dino. Uh, you're right, because Easy Games is going to be top weight if he runs of 160, for heaven's sake. So that'll be 11 stone 12. Everything else filled down from there. Um, I think I've got three points to make, really. First would be, will Gabby Nacco 
for Gavin Cromwell, who's starting to target this meeting. Don't forget, he was placed in a beginner's chase at this track. What beat him? Noble Yates. What's he done since, I wonder? And of course, Gabby Nacro went on to be second in an article, so he's got more than a touch of class. Um, speaking of touch of class, uh, true human beings stay the course. They don't go missing when, when things go a bit awry. And one of those, one of the great characters of the game, somebody who is just redoubtable. And even if he goes quiet for a year or two, he comes back for more. Uh, that's the shark, John Hanlon, who maybe he hasn't got the numbers, maybe he hasn't got the quality, but he has got Hewick. And this is a horse who's carried him to good places because he's won a Durham National. He's won a Whitbread or a Bet365 or whatever you call it nowadays in Sandown Park. And Shark, don't forget, on Wednesday night, just gone, had a lovely winner in Limerick with Ballinabula Steel. So maybe that's a team who are hitting a bit of form at the right time. And I'd love to see Hewick. The heart says Hewick because will he be taken off his feet in a strong run two mile five? Probably. Uh, but I'd love to see it. It'd just be great for the Shark to go and win it after he so nearly won the hurdle a couple of years ago. Um, but I think, exactly as you said, I think if you want to bet with the head, you want to be looking at the younger, unexposed, upcoming, rising stars, the talents, those who've still got the best days ahead of them, not the washed up old Crocs or the ones with a million miles on the clock. And to me, well, I'd be working through these thinking, hang on a second, where's the, where's the rising star? I remember Fanda Blues beating Gin Online at this meeting 12 months ago in a grade three. And if you think in between times, he's done plenty to recommend himself. He's still a comparatively young horse, lightweight, and it really intrigued me. I heard Dermud talking immediately about Bustleton, about Elbera. That run punches town. Look what was fourth. And if you watch the tape again, poor old Fanda Blues nearly got completely skittled at the first fence. So his whole race was put on hold. And yet he ran an absolute smasher to be fourth that day. And he's improving all the time. Three months gap between races. I think this would be absolutely spot on. So I'm always looking for something at a price each way with a lightweight, exactly as you said, Dean. I respect Dermude's point. Uh, but building on that, I think slightly less obvious, but maybe in the same sort of line of thought, if you will, is Fanda Blues. Yep. Fascinating pick that, actually. Do you know what's interesting about that one as well is that another one of my, uh, you can call it anorak stacks, but, you know, a quick spin through Wikipedia, give you some of this stuff. Um, he, he's seven years old. Boosterton's a bit young, isn't he, to, to go and do this. Um, and not too many come and do this at the age of just five, albeit looks an obvious play. Any retort? Yeah, uh, I think the the age is based on how many runs per season for me. I think Bustleton's had, what's he had, like 600 runs by this Every, point already? Been everywhere. Been everywhere. He's yeah. experienced at Galway, ran through the summer last year. He's won on all types of ground. I think the age experience matters definitely to age, but I think age correlates to experience, and I think uh, Bustleton ticks that back, really. All right, well, let's go to local track experience, Connor O'Hare. Uh, you've been there uh, many, many, many times. Uh, you've probably found the winner of this uh, more times than I've watched the race, Connor, even at your uh, tender age, given my old, old age syndrome, unfortunately. Uh, make some sense of the race for me, please. Um, I think a lot of it's been covered, but um, I'm, uh, I'm a big Bustleton fan, um, similar to Dermot. Um, I just think he's, yeah, he's a horse. He's been around the track. He... Um, Lots of experience for a young horse, as we were saying. I think Joseph, he knows obviously how to win this race. He's won it in the past. Um, doesn't have many national hunt horses still, but any of the ones that he kind of has still kept in training. 
they're there for a reason. Um, I think over the next few years, that's going to kind of wean itself out. I think it'll become a completely flat operation, but the jump horses he still has are all, um, they're all well capable of running well in these big races. I think Bustleton is definitely um, a very interesting one, and I had been kind of looking at him for, for a long time uh, for this race as well. Elbara, um, horse that burst, uh, that we know definitely burst, he's burst twice, officially anyway. Um, he's not a he's a horse that he's plenty of ability, but um, I'm always keen to kind of stay away from uh, from a, a regular burst or that kind of thing. So I'd have Bustleton to beat Albara, um, a horse at a big price. Uh, I'm going a kind of an older, experienced horse, Castle Grace Paddy. You might laugh at me here, but he um, he had a good run back in the flat there only a few weeks ago. Patrick Mullins rode him. Uh, he kind of he runs well in his place a lot of times. I think he's in around a 33 or 40 to one shot. I just think if the ground came up with a little bit of a dig in it, which I think it might um, by the middle of the week, I think he might outrun his odds at a, at a big price. Um, Pat Fahey, good trainer. And yeah, he runs well in a lot of graded races. He's done this, this handicap off, kind of a workable enough mark. And we know he's fitting well from a good run on the flat um, only a couple of weeks ago. So he might be one at a bigger price, but uh, I think of the shorter ones, Bustle's going to be for me as well. Okay, a couple of double figure shouts there uh, with Castle Grace Paddy around 16 to 1, Mark. I think it's around 20 to 1 for Fan de Blues. Should we talk about Joseph's other runner, though, Connor? What about Fire Attack? I mean, the profile this fits the right age, got a decent weight on his back with 10 stone 10 off a mark of 144. They warmed up for it with a nice win um, at Punchestown. Um, Joey will, will probably come in at least one or two handed. Yeah, he'll come. He'll come. Uh, he'll come with as many hands as he can, for sure, um, with, these, with these valuable. Valuable handicaps. Uh, fire attack, yeah, another similar profile. Um, to Bustleton is kind of still relatively unexposed, but um, over fences anyway, had plenty of runs on the um over hurdles, but uh, definitely, yeah, definitely another one. It's another one near the head of the market. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they got one of the good um the good claimers maybe to claim a few pounds off fire attack. Um, and yeah, another one with a big big live chance. Uh, Joseph's gonna have plenty of runners to say between flat and jumps until he be throwing as many darts at these big races as he can. I fancy him for a one-two here. I think of the, the runners with the, the fit the profile, age, weight, and and the form to, to put up a big show in here. I'd be keen on Fire Attack and Bustleton uh, getting involved. I wouldn't go too far past a, a Joey one-two, but a couple Reverse of bigger prices. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's Dermo's trick. Like Dermo does <laughs> this to Galway all the time. Yeah, I do it every race course, Dean, but it doesn't mean I'm winning much often, really, does it? I know it's a bet you like, and it works well with uh, Tote on board with us. Okay, I'm going to get you to summarise um, each of you just to give me your uh, your one play for the race and maybe something at a bigger price. Connor, I came to you last, so I'm going to go back to Tom. Tom, Fanda Blue is the main pick. Yeah, Fanda Blue is a bit the main pick, Dean. Uh, remember this horse beating Gin Online, who's gone on to do extremely well. Uh, in a grade three novice at this track 12 months ago, nice lightweight. And I think you can upgrade that last run at Punchestown where it's obvious to look at El Barra and Bustleton from that, but keeping them just uh, in sight and certainly improving all the time. Fanda Blues, who was a few lengths back that day, uh, but I think arguably uh, you can give him more credit than perhaps the form book does on that occasion. So Fanda Blues each way, it's something currently, if you want to back him, I, I think he's something in the region you said of, what is he, 16, 18, 20 to 1? Yep. With, with the bookies, you know yourself next week, they're going to be dishing out extra places left, right and centre. Uh, so hopefully he can sneak into the frame or even better go and win the thing. Love that. Love that. Fan of Blues for Tom Lee. Demo, uh, we all know, but you may as well give us one line. Busselton's going to win the, uh, win the place. 
Then is uh, he might be the obvious pick, Tom, but he's he's the winner as well. So it's uh, it's all good. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. And Connor, <laughs> if you rely on Castle Grace Paddy here now, eleven year olds to to do a Phoenix from the Flames, I'll be impressed. Oh no, I'm going. I'll be in the bustles in camp, but Castle Castle Grace Paddy at a big price to maybe run into the places. And as Tom says, with the extra extra places during the week, and um, yeah, you're getting each race maybe six places. At a big price, I think might run into the money. Put Bustleton, yeah, the most likely winner, I think. Love that. I'm going to sit on the fence and go for a Joey one too. I hope it's Bustleton because that'll uh, fit Connor and Dermo's wages. Uh, but I do fancy Fire Attack will also run a very big race. Let's move on to the Galway Hurdle. Of course, goes to post on the Thursday. I was very keen on a, kind of a repeat the trick process here with Willie Mullins running a classy type like saint Wah in the contest, but that's not going to go. Uh, Gordon Elliott was waxing lyrical during the week about his uh, couple of uh, runners. I think Felix Deji went a favourite for this uh, in the past, but came down very early. That will probably line up again. Uh, but Party Central is a bit of a flop uh, behind Love Envoy at Cheltenham, but travelled supremely well that day, has come out and won since um, at Punchestown, of course, that's Party Central. That'll be a very fancied runner. We've got another uh, mare in there for hire for Willie Mullins. We've got HMS Seahorse, who's a dark horse for sure. Only four years old. That'll be a massive uh, feat to go and win a Galway hurdle. That could go for Paul Nolan. And adamantly chosen, who I think, well, I can, I can speak for them. They're on the panel. Connor and Demo will tell you that we're all very keen that this would go and, and dot up in the final race on the final day at the Chantler Festival. I didn't quite come together, didn't quite see it through, but that could go a favourite. For a Galway hurdle. Connor, are you going back into the adamantly chosen ranks here? Yeah, I think I'm going to be in the Gordon Elliott camp uh, in this one, Dean. Um, yeah, adamantly chosen could be very well handicapped uh, and had a good run uh, since that kind of flop at Chatham Rangwell and Punchestown. Um, but I'd be I'd be in the party central um, team for this one. I think the race will just be run to suit her. I think she's such a keen traveler, they'll go fast. Uh, she's kind of, she has form over a little bit further. You need that form over the little bit further than two miles to get up that hill and in the Galway hurdle. I think Davy Russell will be on board more than likely. Ride a nice, cool, patient race, hopefully get a bit of luck. I think she's well handicapped one forty two. I'll still run off one forty two. There was um there was some some block when she when she won a leopard ten off one twenty one, but she's she's an improver and she's unexposed. I think she's the one that I'd be siding with. I think there's been a few quid for her over the last few days. The the fourteen to one that was available originally has been snapped up, I think. So and that'll be that'll be my main um, my main play in the race to be party central. Uh, I think it'll just be run to suit her, and she could arrive there with a, a late challenge after the last. Hopefully, I think I'm with you, Connor. I do. And um, Gordon talking during the week seemed to all but confirm, without putting his name on the race card, that Jack Kennedy will ride party central. I think it's got uh, the the right profile for this, and I think it might just give him the uh, the Galway hurdle winner that's been elusive to him so far. Tom Lee, Gordon Elliott hasn't had one. He's gone close though. He has, he has, and surely it's only a matter of time. But you get these, you get these old quirks. We'll go on, I'm sure, and talk about Ada McGuinness in Tuesday's big race. Patrick Mullins, of course, uh, in this race, having won three of the last four. What's he going to ride? Uh, Party Central, well named for Galway the seven days. Uh, Adam <laughs> Joseph. I thought it was interesting that the favourite, as you and I are talking now, is a Mullins-trained five-year-old. But actually, I'm just going to throw two names into the mix uh, above and beyond. Party Central, or indeed Adamantly Chosen, and that's Adamantly Chosen stablemate, Tax for Max, um, who's from the master trainer, still only a five-year-old, second at this meeting 12 months ago in a novice hurdle to Far Out, who also might 
running this race. Uh, no mileage, only 14 runs so far. Why aren't more people talking about Tax for Max, who I think, unlike Adamantly Chosen, is double those odds. And yet, arguably, you get very nearly as much for your cash. Maybe you could say more. Um, the other one, and again, youth over experience, but this is youth and experience. If I presented to you a six-year-old who'd been there and done that and got the T-shirt and run not only at Galway, but in this race, picked up prize money, comes from a top stable, is a pound lower than when performing with distinction in this race, is fit from the flat, and since Galway last year has gone off favourite for a very, very prestigious handicap at Cheltenham, would you be interested at a double-figure price? Because I can give you all those things with Noel Mead's Jesse Evans, mm. who ran a barnstorming race to be placed 12 months ago, and yet it seems to be ignored by the market. So you asked me for one, I'm giving you two. Um, tax for Max and Jesse Evans, the pair of them each way. Both big prices as well. Uh, Jesse Evans is fascinating. I have to say it had not appeared on my radar, but uh, I will add it to the radar now. It's a big, big field, Dermot Nolan. We've been giving a shout there for Party Central from Connor O'Hare, Tax for Max and Jesse Evans at big prices from Tom Lee. Uh, this is a race that I don't, don't know if I need to remind Race Hour listeners, Demo, because they're probably still dining out on it. But myself and you managed to land a double in 2017 with Tigris River and uh, Balco de Flow. Um, so if Bustleton wins the plate, the hurdle's now over to you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the same form lines as Tom, but I'm taking far out over tax for Max. Um, Far out gave tax for Max seven pounds last year at Galway and beat him, and he only has to give him six pounds this year. Now the, the difference is tax for Max. I completely agree with Tom as far as tax for Max goes. He travelled at Punchdown like he was the winner, and I don't know whether he got there too soon or what happened. There's just far out and Felix Zigi went by him, but he did still travel into that race like he was the best horse in the race. So a Galway hurdle should think I'd just be worried about him at the finish. I think far out has everything going for him. If you watch the goal with the county hurdle back. He's too far out the back and he flies through. A punch is down two out when he finishes second to Felix De G. He's he's barely in your screen and he flies home. I think if a jockey can get him into a kinder position, I think far out has a massive handicap in him off a mark of 140. I think he's he's way too big a price. I can't have Adam Antichosen chosen for this. I can't have him at all. Um, he's a horse who has looked devoid of pace. He's a horse that at Punchestown, he couldn't live with them. He flew home late, great run. At in the Martin Pipe, he comes to the second last. He's traveling like an absolute dream. And then he just doesn't have the pace to pick himself up again. I think Galway Hurdle is is completely against that. I think they have to go on their heads, basically, the whole way around for him to come true. So I think he is the wrong favorite. I think far out has a huge chance. And then there's one Dean at absolutely massive odds. At 25 to 1 is Autumn Evening, another young horse uh, for Jessica Harrington. This horse was third at Leperstown last year. And like that third was a massive effort because Surprise Package came out and won a massive handicap since from behind. You look at the horses in behind and arguably he could have won that day. Daryl Keith maybe gave him just, just kind of got there a little bit too soon. And Autumn Evening went to Kel Kelso afterwards. The ground went against him. He's been kind of running back in the flat again. Jessica Harrington stables in much better form now. But the form of that big field Leopardstown run will suit him perfectly. He, I think he'll suit Galway down to the absolute ground. He has the forms in the book there. He's probably too big a price because of a poor run at Kelso. But again, the ground, it was just horrific that day, really bad. 
Um, so he's too big a price based off that piece of form. It's a brilliant piece of form. And the run beforehand as well when he won. He's he's Jane, he was the first horse in Jess Carrington's yard to win for like three months or something. They were they were in terrible form. So autumn evening and um far out Dean are my two for the old reverse forecast on the toast. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll be happy with uh far out would be my main one. But autumn evening, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And it warmed up that autumn evening behind HMS Seahorse, didn't it? The Cora. Um, over the, the summer months there. And um, yeah, I remember that. I mean, there wasn't a notebook big enough to write the full words of autumn evening after that Leopardstown run. I think everyone everyone put it in there in capital letters. It didn't quite happen for it yet. So you're probably right not to write that one off, especially at the prices you're likely to see for autumn evening uh, in this race, of course, on Thursday. Um, we must talk about HMSC Horse. There's a four-year-old from Paul Nolan's. He went and decimated a field at the Curra there on the flat um, as running behind Vauban in a grade one. Uh, tilting at windmills maybe a little bit you've got to do that sometimes haven't you Tom but HMS Seahorse is a fascinating runner at only four well I think what's refreshing actually there is a there's a bit of fatigue when we talk only about Mullins and Elliot and yet and yet when you when you look down south and you see Paul Nolan readying an attack on Galway he loves the mating loves socializing and yeah. well great bloke by the way uh, and as well, you see Dermot McLaughlin with a great chance in the race, a, a man who's turning Ferry House into his own private schooling ground at Easter <laughs> So I, I think actually, yeah, maybe it is tilting at windmills, but I think part of the joy and something that I think when I've experienced being on the best days of, uh, of Irish racing, it's been when Mick Winters has turned up in Galway and won with Rebel Fitz. It's been when Peter Casey's come across uh, to Leopardstown and won a grade one on a biting cold February day. It's the day where Pat Kelly's turned up and won the Portistown with presenting Percy. Like he's just joined in like a, like a sprinter in the last two furlongs. And you see the way, you remember, for example, and I know we're going a bit off piece, but like when Percy won the, the Galmoy that year and they were 10 deep round the paddock, I mean, I, you never saw anything like it in any British race course. It will never be repeated. And yet Paul Nolan... Mick Winters, Pat Kelly, Peter Casey, you can go on because these characters, they are Irish racing. And that's with respect to the masters. So good luck to those guys. I won't be backing him, but I wish them the very best. Yeah, I think he's a fascinating runner, but you make such a great point about Galway and the atmosphere that does create there. I think I was reading Puppy Power in the in the press just this week saying that a winner at Galway, especially in one of these races, the hurdle or the plate, uh, the reception you got coming back in was akin to a Cheltenham Festival winner. That's all you need to hear, isn't it, from a man who's done both? Tom? It's the truth. It's absolutely right because as well, I remember back in the day when Paul Townend came on, burst onto the scene in 2008, where did he really make a name for himself? Uh, using his claim in Galway and you see the young riders you see that what it meant to them to come back and get the interview with Robert and Ted to get the acclaim from the crowd and get the sheer buzz of riding a winner and then heaven only knows we all know that jockeys are highly disciplined elite athletes and professionals and they wouldn't dream of going into Galway of an evening and tasting the nightlife much <laughs> but uh, listen it's a great week good luck to all of them and please god everybody comes back fit and sound and well and healthy and having had a brilliant buzz from it win or lose because the actual occasion in Galway yeah listen I, I, I want to collect I want my pockets full of euro and I want to have a great week into the bargain but it's just a great thing to be part of absolutely the setup at, bottom up the setup at that race course as well for the punter to get from the parade ring to the betting ring to the grandstand is literally a straight line of just busy 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 and everything accessible it's very well done um 
and also every club and pub in Galway is the 21 club. It's not all about one place. <laughs> okay, we've got to summarise the hurdle then. Um, Connor, come to you first. I'm a party central man. You're a party central man. Uh, do we need to look any deeper? I'm only concerned about HMS Seahorse because I love everything about that animal and I think it might it might be able to do it as a four-year-old, but I've got to stick with a little bit more experience and Party Central do here. Yeah, same for me, Dean. Uh, Party Central and, yeah, hopefully um, Party on, on Thursday when, when it comes there, Tank and jumps in the last. I have a feeling it'll come there hard on it and hopefully she can get up the, she can get up the hill and, uh, and get the job done. But, yeah, Party Central uh, for me in the Galway hurdle, I think, is, is the one to be on. I will be with you. I won't be joining you in Party Central in Galway, unfortunately, but I'll, I'll send you a WhatsApp find out where you are and send some people your way. Dermot Nolan. <laughs> uh, far out and an E-Tray option on autumn evening as well, Dean. Love that. Thank you very much. And Tom, final line on the Galway hurdle goes to you. Yeah, I'm going to have a euro each way on two of them. Jesse Evans and Tax for Max for the reasons given. Uh, they're big prices and the bookies will be throwing out like confetti these each way places extra. So uh, that will do very nicely for me, please. It will. That is a fact. That is a fact. OK, that is the Galway plate and the Galway hurdle uh, covered in, in some detail. Plenty of strong fancies there. Like I did say before, Dermo and myself did land the double before, but we agreed on those. We haven't agreed this time round. So, yeah, stick with Dermo. Ignore myself, I think, would be my advice. Why don't we find out what Danny Mullins, of course, racing ambassador for the tote, uh, head of the Galway Festival, uh, has to, what he has to say about the hurdle, the plate, Galway itself and a few other horses for the rest of the season. That's coming up now. Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast. Uh, this is Dermot Nolan. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Tote Ambassador and Top National Hunt jockey, Danny Mullins. How are you, Danny? Good, yeah. No, it's great to be on. Fantastic. Uh, Danny, the Galway race is obviously starting next week. This is uh, one of the premier meetings. And for you, Danny, it was a meeting that really announced you as a jockey because obviously you'd, uh, you'd rode your first winner in May 2008. And then... A few months afterwards, you'd rode your first treble on the Friday of uh, of Galway. It was a decent few weeks for you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I was very lucky when I started off. I was an apprentice to Jim Bulger. I got to ride some very good horses. And, yeah, that treble in Galway, you know, I can remember it vividly. Like, it's uh, getting to be too many years ago now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thankfully, the years have been good to me. And I've been lucky enough to keep uh, partnerships with plenty of good horses in Galway through the years as well. Thank God, Danny. And uh, what is it about the meeting? Obviously, Danny, you know, we've got Cheltenham and you've got Aintree and you know all these meetings and punches down are absolutely brilliant. But there's something quite different about Galway. It's, it's the social element and everything else. Uh, what is it about Galway that kind of jockeys particularly seem to enjoy most? Yeah, I think um, for jockeys, I, I suppose uh, the main thing is there's fantastic prize money. Like you look at the hurdle, the total Galway plate, uh, you know, that the prize money is great. It's very competitive race. And, you know, through the summer, you know, it, it used to be a case maybe years ago, there were lower class horses. But you see more and more horses in the likes of the, the plate and the hurdle with heavy weights that are becoming a real high class race now. And even, you know, through the rest of the week, there's such competitive race and the atmosphere is fantastic in Galway. So many owners want to, you know, plan their whole summer around getting a horse good enough to go to Galway. And that really is brilliant. Yeah. And the whole the whole meeting itself is fantastic. And obviously, you now, Danny, moving on to a race that we've we've kind of covered already on the podcast. But the the Galway plate, and this is a race where you went close in, obviously, on a 
on Cabaret Queen, the closest you've got so far. Obviously, we'll stick with the uh, the phrase so far. You will you will win this race, please God. Uh, what sort of a horse, Danny, for our uh, our listeners at home? Obviously, as punters, we're kind of looking through a card. But what kind of a horse are you looking for to win a race like the Galway Plate? Ideal, you know, those big handicaps, they, I suppose the first starting point is, you know, the likes uh, of a novice, uh, something that's unexposed. You need a horse with a lot of ability, but, you know, the the horses have been around a bit longer, they tend maybe to have a little bit too much weight. But that said, you know, easy game, ran a big race last year. I'm sure he'll be in the mix again this year. Under now, Bustleton, if he gets in, I think he needs a couple to come out. He's probably one that's under the radar a little bit or maybe he was lucky in Cheltenham uh, to get a bit closer than he should have but uh, that, that form maybe doesn't read quite as literally as, as it looks but it, the likes of that you know a horse that's still maybe a little bit under the radar and you know looking through the betting plenty of the ones near the head are the novices and, and they're the ones that people are, are keeping on their side Fantastic, yeah. No, Danny, I'm actually thrilled, thrilled to hear you say that because I'm a big fan of Bustleton for this. I think is uh, that run at uh, Punchstown when he gave a bit of weight away to Jack Foley and Elbara is a serious effort. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree on that. And the stamina as well, Danny. Obviously, but the the jumping side to this race is something because I like the way you're thinking. It's a very good horse, but he's maybe had a few issues in the jumping department in the past for Gavin Cromwell. You can't underestimate how good a jumper they have to be around this set. Uh, chase course as well can you they do you know i suppose the finish it's a stiff climb to the finish but there's no point having a, a horse that stays well if he can't uh hold his slot through the first mile and a half of the race you know that first circuit is very important they need to jump well you start you, you know the, the start of the play is it's quite an interesting start it's like running off a, a cliff for most horses they can't even see the first fence it's just galloping into the horizon you need a good, brave one to get down to that first fence quickly. Downhill fence, tight right-hand bend. And then plenty of fences coming at you quick. And most of them are on the turn. You've got two very quick in the dip. And that can find out so many of those horses. So, you know, stamina is quite important. But if anything, I'd say looking at winter form or spring form, you're probably looking for a horse that's performed over a slightly shorter trip and, you know, get a bit of nice ground come Galway and you'll see out the extra bit of distance. But that early jumping, as you say, is very important in this race. Very important. Obviously fantastic. Then obviously moving on to the Galway hurdle and uh, obviously Danny, you and uh, Hidden Cyclone came very, very close and you were beaten by, uh, by obviously Ruby Walters, which was a bit of a stinger on his own horse, an absolutely brilliant horse, Hidden Cyclone. You had a lovely relationship with him. Uh, this is another brilliant race. Um, stamina for me, Danny, is kind of something I tend to look out for in this race. And I know it's a, a two-mile race, but I always find they have to they have to stay well in a, a race like this as well. Yeah, they do. And yeah, the Galway Hurdle, it can be a different race every year. It depends. You know, if you get a fancied one going hard up front, um, what was Donald McCain's horse? Overturn. Overturn, Absolutely yeah. Absolutely blazed around in front, you know. That, that's very difficult to do. And quite often in the Galway hurdle, you know, they get into the dip the first time and the whole race seems to park up. And that's when luck and running becomes a big part of it. And, you know, it's uh, before the race, you're looking, 
to see where the early pace is going to be. And, you know, a bit of track form as well is always a help. Uh, I think of Willie's ones, far out, it would definitely have a big chance. You know, his jumping probably needs to be as good as it is, but, you know, he, he won around there last year as a novice. And I think he could be going back with a big chance. Another one uh, I wouldn't rule out for Willie if they go a very strong early pace is tax for Max. He travelled into a few of the good handicaps in the spring and just flattened out a little bit. He got a confidence booster when he won his maiden hurdle around Punchestown and, you know, off a, a strongly wrong pace, uh, I think he could be bang there. Yeah, Danny, uh, this race obviously has has thrown up a few horses as well, like the likes of Saldier and very classy horses lately are kind of coming to the fore in this. St. Wall obviously needs to bounce back, Danny, but he has a similar enough profile to those two in Sharjah and kind of Saldi. And I know he's he's obviously been around a bit longer, but there's a, the older horses can kind of come to the fore in this because obviously they are carrying in some serious back class, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and San Roa, he, he was, oh, I suppose, just very disappointing is the only way to describe Tipperary. But, you know, you, you get back to his runs earlier in the year like, you know, four to behind Honeysuckle and Cheltenham and a few other good grade one runs through the winter as well. That's seriously high-class form if he can find that vein again. Perfect. And Danny, just yet, you don't really know yourself who you're riding next week. It's all kind of still to be firmed up, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully, Willie will have plenty in the race and Jeez. I might sneak on one. <laughs> of course you will. Speaking of, uh, of sneaking on one, well, not not quite. The uh, the flatter on Galway is a lot... Uh, Obviously, Danny has treated you very well. I believe you put it that you went the Albert McMahon route on uh, on Riven Light that uh, that season. It was a serious performance that day, Danny, from him. Brilliant horse, obviously, let you down a small bit, the guy we heard afterwards. But on the flat, Danny, there, um, obviously, you've got the hill turning in and, and everything else. But the horse that you kind of need for that as well is you need a bit of speed on the flat course around Galway, really, don't you? You do, you do. And, you know, people say if... Um... If you're not drawn well in Galway, you might as well stay home. But, you know, Riven Light, he, he was drawn in the car park. And uh, the other horse uh, for my father, Rock and Roll Kid, won the mile in Galway. And he was also drawn in the car park. So, you know, if you have if you have a horse good enough, uh, the advantage of being that little bit wider in, in those uh, tricky flat races is you, you don't uh, have much traffic, you know, and... If you, you can ride tight, you, you can put a lot of the others in traffic and it makes your chance of, of winning the race a lot better. Of course it does. Of course it does. And uh, obviously, Danny, going into next week, um, speaking of Galway, obviously, it was the first time we kind of got to experience how good Princess Zoe is. And she's well going into next week. Yeah, she seems in, in good, old Nick. Uh, yeah, my father is, is very happy with her. And, you know, he, he's really enjoyed the, the trip with her and sure. You know, she she won in Ascot previous to the Royal Meeting and ran, ran with credit at the Royal Meeting. So hopefully she'll bounce back for more. Hopefully. Absolutely brilliant. And then just to finish up, Danny, I can't let you go away for the race, our listeners, because they'll be they'll be getting very angry with me with you. A few of the horses are obviously coming back from their summer holidays. Last season, Paddy Aspel called your ride on, uh, on Manila Cocooner the ride of the season. He strikes me, Danny, as a horse next season that uh, fences could unlock a bit more on him if he was to go down that avenue. Yeah, you know, he's he's already grade one winner and grade one placed. And, you know, he has real scope. Uh, his jumping over hurdles was fantastic. And, 
it worked out great at the Dublin Festival for me. Ran a solid race in Cheltenham and came back and confirmed form again in Punchestown. You know, he, he came from the, the John Nallan School and I spoke to Corky Carroll about him and, you know, he said in his point-to-point days he was always a very good jumper too. So there's every reason to believe he can be a top novice chaser and stays very well. Absolutely fantastic. And then, Danny, just to finish, obviously on a, a horse that has has really kicked you forward uh, over the last few seasons, or sorry, you've had to kick him forward maybe as well as uh, his floor and porter. He's been an absolute legend and an absolute credit to everyone concerned, Danny. And there's, there's no reason that he can't just keep going really, is there? No, you know, he, he's a very peculiar horse, I suppose is the best way of describing him. Every day I ride him, I, I learn something more about him and, you know, myself and Gavin, after each race, we, we have a little chat. And, you know, I think he's a horse that's definitely has more to give. And uh, Gavin's campaigning with him has been fantastic. You know, he's, he's followed that route to Cheltenham every year. He tied with the idea of going to France with him this year for the French champion hurdle. But he said he, he was going to mind him after entry and go back and have a go for three in a row in Cheltenham, which would be unbelievable. You know, it'll be very difficult to do. There's very few horses complete the the treble, but I think he's the first one since big bucks to win back-to-back stairs hurdles. So, you know, um, they run it this year and he'll definitely give it a rattle again. And, you know, obviously on on Racing TV, Danny, uh, obviously Ruby had that that cutout of you holding holding him that a brilliant way with the right grip. Is that something, sorry, just out of pure interest, was that something that you had thought about beforehand or was it just something that kind of unfolded in front of you? No, no, that was, um, that was a floor importer especially just <laughs> done a curveball at me and, and yeah, you have to react. And yeah, thankfully uh, I got to the line in front and that was the main thing. Fantastic, Danny. Danny, I really appreciate your time. Thanks very much. That is uh, Danny, Toad Ambassador and uh, obviously top class national lunch jockey. Thanks for joining us on the race hour, Danny. Thanks a million. Thanks, Dermot. Perfect. Welcome back to the Race Hour Galway Races uh, Festival Special, of course, brought to you with our friends at the Tote. Do get involved with that bit.ly link, uh, which you'll find on screen, of course, forward slash Galway 22. Uh, you'll also find that on bookmakers.co.uk, um, of course, with their bet five, get 20 for the week of the Galway Races. Uh, definitely get involved. I am uh, rejoined, of course, by Dermot Long, who just caught up with Danny Mullins. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, he did give an interesting shout out for Tax for Max, which was one of uh, Tom's uh, pick for um, the hurdle, of course. So that'll be, that'll be a little feather in the cap there, hopefully. Um, and it was a very insightful interview. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We'll get straight back in, though, to the mix of a couple of key races from the Galway um, Festival. We're going to kick off again with Monday's Connor Amateur Riders Handicap, which is a race that... Uh, it's almost as big as the other two big races that we talked about, certainly for different reasons, as in it gives the amateur riders a massive, massive day um, at the Galway Festival, of course. Um, there's, there's even been coined a special route around the track, the Aubrey McMahon route demo, which I know me, myself and yourself, of course, worked with Aubrey in the past and that we've been around on this podcast in the past. And uh, he's a cracking young man and he could be back in the mix again uh, for the Connor Handicap Hotel for the Connick Hotel Handicap uh, this week coming up, of course. And you might ride a horse. Um, I'm hoping, perhaps, that you might ride Fovros, who was very keen on last year. And he should have won last year, Damo. I don't think Aubrey is a jockey anymore. Uh, I believe he's running a syndicate now. Um, so I think uh, I don't think he will be riding, um, which is obviously 
a loss considering the the man was was a man possessed around his race. It almost possessed, became his race. Yeah. Possessed around Galway. Yeah, his first go at it, and he he won it. And Patrick Mullins, I believe, still hasn't won this race, has he? Um, and it, it's one of his his big big once in life. Um, I'd say he's won enough that he'll be okay. Uh, but he'll survive. He, uh, he'll survive, but he'll still try. Favros would be very well suited uh, to the likes of a Jody Townend, I think, here. Uh, he's only, what's he, three pounds higher than last year. And God, that was an agonizing that, was, that last furlong when just Coltor was coming and coming and coming. Uh, Favros is, he's a very good horse. Um, he's one of these horses that could well knock up a double at Galway next week. Um, he's just too big a price considering how well he ran in this race last year. Um, if he gets a bit of a, maybe a kinder route through, that might suit him a bit better if he can save a few yards. And just Willie Mullins won't be short on horses or top class amateur jockeys. So that won't be an issue at all. And Jody Townend is the one I'd love to have on. I think she'd be really well suited to him. And just off, off that rating, this is such a good race, by the way. It's absolutely brilliant. That Willie Mullins horse up top, the Swedish ledger winner. Like, how do you try and grab onto what? What, what did they go could... with? 92. And they just, <laughs> Not... uh, I think I saw a tweet from uh, I see, Icy. I see, yeah, I see, everyone yeah. will love Icy on Twitter, of course. But I think you saw a tweet where the handicapper decided not to give it 90 because everyone will know I guessed. So 92. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like there's just this, this field is full of horses. We, we just could, could be anything off off this ratings in this discipline but Favros uh, in Galway generally Dean to give away my my secrets not that there is many I tend to go through the handicaps from last oh, yeah. year and see who, who ran well and Favros fits that bill and at 14 to 1 or so Dean I think he's just a massive price yeah I mean you wouldn't worry too much about the handicap mark being scuppered they had to go and do what they did at the Cara prior to Galway last year to make sure they could run in the races they wanted to run in and they got the right mark and just got touched off by Coltor in this and then since then of course went you know went big pot hunting if you like that uh, behind uh, bars of course at Newmarket but a long way behind and then uh, has now had a little warm-up behind Maze Runner now unfortunately there was a little bit of blood apparently in the race report after that uh, run there so hopefully the cobwebs are blown away under Billy Lee and uh, Favoros will run well and it's definitely on my list for the race Tom this is a special race at Galway isn't it? Well it is just if you look at the bare bones of it an amateur rider's handicap worth 110 grand that in itself is spectacular, but I suppose if you want to keep it simple, you say, well, Patrick Mullins has been the man three of the last four years in the Galway hurdle. And yet exactly as Demi just said, he's never won this race. So what's he going to ride? Probably the mayor echoes in rain. Who's a grade one winner over hurdles. Um, problem with her, I suppose, when you think that Patrick's dad, Willie has won this race three times, but Patrick's never picked the right one. Despite the fact that I was going back through it, He's had 14 attempts so far, and yet he's never managed to win it. Who's he going to pick? As I say, probably her, Echoes in Rain. The problem is, with her, the market hasn't missed her. She's, what, 3-1, to 7-2, depending on where you shop around. And as well, she's got, I think, 11 stone 3. And generally speaking, apart from the year when Robbie Mack won it, you won basically 11 stone or less. So working through those... Far out, who could go to the hurdle on Thursday, runs in this potentially off a mark of 83, so 10 stone 13. He's definitely got a chance. But I'll throw you one now who, if you look at his hurdling form and his flat rating and weight, this might be perfect. And actually, this ties into what we're going to talk about on Tuesday with the big race then. I really hope, if you're watching and listening, Gavin Cromwell... Gavin, please have a good week, particularly Monday and Tuesday. If you do, we're going to be rich. That's a fact.
That's a cliffhanger, that is. On the grade for auction at Navan, uh, he was placed in the Royal Bond, and yet he can come and run in this of 84 um, with 11 stone on his back. So that would be absolutely perfect. So hopefully Gavin Cromwell comes here with my mate Mozzie, who really will be my mate when he wins the big one on Monday. That'll do nicely. My mate Mozzie was a horse, Tom, that they were talking about tilting at the champion herd, all right? Yep. Um, based on, you know, what looked like might turn up in a Supreme, ended up bumping into a horse that was a champion hurdle horse anyway in state, man, and it didn't quite come together. There is a huge race in that. If Gavin Cromwell pulls that off with my mate Mozzie, uh, six-year-old off 11 stone, I think, uh, yeah, there'll be a few people waiting in behind you. Connor O'Hare, take it away with the amateur riders race. Yeah, um, brilliant race. As you were saying about jockeys winning this for amateurs, it's kind of, there's only a, there's a few races every year that everyone targets and this is a, a massive race it's bonkers to think that patrick mullins hasn't won it Um, he's kind of won everything else from grade ones to big races around but hasn't hasn't got his hands on this one uh, we briefly touched on the swedish horse um a lot of joy and um, there has been a few whispers over the last little while um about this horse so yeah the 92 who knows? Um, I got a. What are they saying, it. Connor? What ah, are they saying? I just there's a few little rumblings going on. Um, <laughs> a few little rumblings around the place the last couple of weeks, but night you just don't know. Swedish form. I watched back her race, her Swedish Saint Ledger race. She looked fairly straightforward. She galloped all the way to the line. Um, I'd say like she could be anything. And um, she was sold for two hundred grand as a yearling out of Goths here. Went to did her thing in Sweden, and now she's back. So, um. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's an unknown. She could win ten lengths. Who who knows? Um, it's kind of a hard one to 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 roll in behind unless you you know you know something very good. Um, there's a Patrick couple. Patrick choosing this one would be interesting, though. It would be, yeah, it would be very interesting. It's hard to see him get off the mare. He's ridden the the mare echoes and rain. He's ridden her a few times. Gets on well enough with her. Um, I'd say he'll probably ride her. And sure, if he does, you got to back the other horse then because he won't win. That's her well stuff. <laughs> so, so we think, but not he. He, um, it's very, yeah, very interesting to see what he does ride. And um, there's going to be sure Willie has how many entries in it. He's he's going to run. He always runs runs them all. Sure, as Tom was saying, such a such a big prize fund for this race. That's why not throw as many at it ten, as you can. Ten at the moment, Connor. Just yeah, ten. Like it's, yeah. it's um, if he he'll run seven, eight, and sure he'll jock up. He'll get jockeys. He'll get the best jockeys around, and you'll have Jody Town and all of them uh, jocked up on on different ones. There's um, yeah, looking down. There's a couple of horses that may or may not get in that are a little bit interesting. The horse of the shark, I know Tom mentioned the shark earlier on, um, Hallowed Star, who won at the festival last year, won an opportunity handicap hurdle. I think Conor McNamara rode him last year, but this uh, this horse has had a couple of eye-catching runs in flat maidens. Um, it's fairly, hasn't had many flat runs and comes here, mark of 82, is 11 on the ballot, whether he gets in or not is um, yet to be seen. But whether he runs here or he runs in some other race during the week, I think he's, he's definitely one uh, to follow. And if he does get in down the bottom of this, uh, I reckon has a, has, a bit, has a big chance. And there's one other one, a horse of Joseph O'Brien's. Uh, some people might remember uh, Leopard Sound a couple of weeks ago, Shoshone Warrior. Um, there was a horse of Joseph sent off a short price favourite and this, this lad went to the front and he wasn't, he wasn't caught. Uh, John Gleason, son of Brian Gleason, rode him that day. I don't know who'll ride him next week, but he's um people kind of thought it was a bit of a fluke in Leopardstown last week. I don't think it was. I think he's a good horse in his own right. And 
if the ground didn't get too soft, I know there's a bit of rain around and it's just a bit of an unknown then in Galway, you can it can pour, it can be lovely. And um, so if the ground turned up on the kind of on the the good the good kind of side of, of good, um, I think Shoshone Warrior is one um, that could go well as well. But yeah, it's a wide open race. It's a brilliant race. Love the love the race. Uh, to Belter, yeah, Shoshone Warrior and of course Hallowed Star there for the shark. Uh, the two mentioned there from Connor. Um, Dem, I led you on to the Fovorous path. There must be something else lurking in that field that you like as well, is there? Uh, there's an awful lot of them. My mate Mozzie, a big fan of that horse, a uh, huge fan of him, brilliant at, uh, in the Royal Bond, as Tom said. But just looking at the prices, I do love a horse around Galway who's been there and has, has, has raced really well there before. And Fovorous ticks that box, Dean. So on the each way odds, Fovorous is the... Is the one for me to be honest. And you're hoping for a Jody Townend or a Finian Maguire or you know, yeah, Jody Townend is the one that I kind of would have my heart set on. I, I think she's um, she's very well suited to a horse like Favras. I think he doesn't want to maybe not get there as soon as he did last year. And sure. uh, Jody is a very patient jockey. She's she's brilliant. Uh, she's first class. All right, comes from good stock, of course. Um, all right. Okay, that's the, the amateur riders handicap hurdle. On the Tuesday, we've got the Colm Quinn BMW mile, of course. Uh, Tom, I might come to you first. Basically, which Ado McGuinness horse is going to win? I was going to say, should it actually be the Ado McGuinness BMW mile? Uh, he won it in, in 2019. He won it again in 2020. He won it again in 2021. So he's got this squad of at least six runners because, of course, the fates will tell us as they come in and out, whether or not actually that's increased with the likes of Sir Jack Thomas. But if you think he's got Casanova, who won at this track off 79 in September, he's got Spanish tenor, definitely. He's got current option, who's twice won the Ahanora. I think if you like him, you want to be very careful because he just doesn't quite seem to be able to deliver over the longer trip. He seems to be absolutely tailor-made for seven, seven and a half furlongs. You always worry with current option, is the petrol light flickering on empty? when he gets to a mile or just a smidgen further. So that's my concern with him. Star Harbour, Pierre Lapin, Saltonstall, who started that run back in 2019. Um, yeah. It's a great story there, great narrative with, with Ado McGuinness. And of course, there could be more as well, as I mentioned with Sir Jack Thomas. Um, again, with all these handicaps, I, wanna, I want something with not too much weight from a top stable, not too much mileage, potential to actually still grow, grow develop and improve. And I massively respect the point that both uh, Dermid and Connor have made that you want a bit of course form. I can't give you course form, but I can give you a young filly who's dramatically improving. Trainer called Garvin Donnelly did very well with her. Now she's with Gavin Cromwell, who's continued the good work. And that's Gola for the Cromwell team, who since they've had her, you look at this run, she's done a bit of everything everywhere, but she keeps developing and improving and every time they raise the bar, she just goes on and does it again, like a sort of a high jumper who just breezes through and says, give me something that really tests me, because she's won in Limerick, she's won in Gorham Park, she's won in Roscommon, she has youth on her side, and I love that profile. And she's done it on a variety of tracks, and you think she can go both ways round on a range of ground. I think they're almost, there's nothing to lose and everything to gain. So Cromwell's Gola is a filly who could be really going places and I'm not sure they've got anywhere near the bottom of her. So each way again in a race where I think it's easy to get sucked in and say, oh, I have to back one of Ado McGuinness's. He might very well win it again. I hope he does for him. A lovely, lovely man and a really outstanding trainer who's getting the results his talent deserves. Uh, but I want to turn a profit and I hope the filly can do it for me. 
have a big price pick as well from you, Tom, and for the you know, uneducated and definitely not Irish uh, people like me, <laughs> I think I would have pronounced that like Daliath. But uh, yeah, do it again. Go, only, go that. Only, only a only a a, um, a pale kind of un, un, uh, unfamiliar Englishman such as yourself would have fallen into that trick. <laughs> that trap, Dino. I, I um, no such problems here. I'm sure the lads will back me up. I'd say they will. I'd say they will. Oh, I got a chorus. I got a chorus. <laughs> yeah, number 24 is another way you could put it at the moment on the, on the current card. Well, there's, yeah, there's that as well. But listen, we'll see. A lot can change between now and Hey, look, look, double figures, Gavin Cromwell's uh, Gorlian. Gorlian, I've, I've really butchered it. It's around 16 to 1 at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> number 24 for that Colin Crim BMW mile handicap. Um, Connor, I'll come to you. Um, are you going to be an, an Ado McGuinness fanboy here or have you found something else? Um, of the Aidan McGuinness horses, there's one that um, that I would be slightly interested in. It wouldn't be my main one in the race, but Pierre Lappin is a horse that he hasn't hasn't had for an awful long time. Uh, he's still probably getting uh, getting to grips uh, with the horse, and he's had three three good runs for Aidan. Um, as as we all know, he's he's a, a master at aiming at, aiming them at these big handicaps, and I wouldn't be surprised if this has kind of been on the on the card since. Since he has this horse, and um, so I think, yeah, I think he's been training this horse for for a big one, and I have a feeling it could be it could be this column Quinn and um, mile handicap. The one though that I do like is the horse of Johnny Fiend, and if they are, I hope they're not singing the name of this of this horse in the pubs on uh, on any of the nights. It's called No More Porter, so we hope that we hope we won't be hearing that. Um, but I think No More Porter, he's such a consistent uh, handicapper, has been placed in. Three Premier handicaps up the car over the last uh, couple of months. It's only been kind of going up a pounder, pound or two here and there. It's, gonna, it's still in off a mark of 85. Nine on the ballot, so should hopefully get in down the bottom. There's a potential that uh, Johnny Feeney uses young apprentice Jamie Powell a lot. He'd claim in seven, I think, still. So if you were getting in down the bottom uh, and claiming off him, I think he's going to run a big race. His best form has kind of been over a mile. Has run well over shorter as well, and if there was a little bit of a cut in the ground, it would be ideal for him. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, he's he's just rock solid. I just I can't see him once he gets a decent draw. Like the draw is a massive thing in in this race. Um, if you kind of if you're stuck on the outside, you, you're a little bit stymied. But it has been done. Um, but if you can get a good kind of low to middle draw, and I think he's rock solid, and I think he could um it should be bang there for Johnny Fiend. No more Porter. No more Porter, the consistent four-year-old, needs, what, eight or nine to come out to, to get a run there for John yeah. James Bean. Uh, that is, is Connor's pick for the BMW Mar. Um, out of those Ada McGuinness ones, the one I thought was coming right into, uh, into Top Nick was Casanova. But, I mean, the market's going to tell us a little bit more. There seems to be a few uh, pennies around for it. Uh, Demo, why don't you have a go at the mile? You're on mute. You've got to have that niche I, one. I was due it, yeah, yeah. I was due that, sorry. Um, Salt and Stahl Dean is one that I have, uh, yeah. uh, I put him up in 2020. Uh, I'm mad about this horse, but he was, he, of 105 last year, on a huge race in six, like massive race. He's back down to 96, the same mark he won this off in 2020. And Jake Cohen, who's a brilliant young jockey, was riding him last time. Uh, I think he's still claiming seven, or he could be claiming five. But anyway, Gavin Ryan, the last time Salt Cell won was off a mark of 96, with Gavin Ryan claiming five pounds. And he could well be running the next week with Jake Cohen, a very good young jockey, claiming seven or five, depending on what he does. 
in the meantime and back off a mark of 96 again it looks like a bit of a plan that one and sir jack thomas as tom has alluded to he he might have a bit of a sweat to get in should be okay i think but um he last time as well at five pound uh, keen mcredmond uh, was up on him last time and he's a pound lower than he was after winning the same race last year so uh, the connections definitely target this race those two horses look fairly laid out and there's one thing as well for our listeners is that whilst in Galway in general the draw is unbelievably important this race has followed the last five years a very weird trend you've got in 2021 uh, stall 17 won in 2020 stall 12 in 2019 stall 14 in 2018, stall 18, and in 2017 was 10. And last year, the front three were uh, 17, 19, and 13. So whatever's going on, we've always believed that the lower the stall, the better. But I'm not sure whether jockeys are maybe overusing the lower stall and they're kind of maybe maybe putting their petrol gaze into red a bit too quickly. So the horses from the outside stalls are starting to kind of it up again which is understandable for large rate big races like this with big funds you know you would i, I know i'd go <laughs> i'd go for it early anyway did <laughs> if i had a chance to win the money but the uh the it's just it is something to note there was the draws the be all and end all at galway this race weirdly doesn't quite follow that trend so it is something to uh keep a note of if you get involved with our partners the tote during the week that is the race for the exactors the forecast the tricasts and and so on so there is a handy stat there from Dermot Olin uh, to keep in mind I do think that jungle cove race from Leatherstown is going to be a massive point to this it has to be so many of them uh, came from that race Masala is one that I thought perhaps not overlooked slightly uh, over double figures at the moment for the the Conquer and BMW Mar. of course Henry de Bromhead's horse was third last year to Sir Jack Thomas he seems to have done exactly what I guess was the aim which was to bring it here just a few pounds lighter I think it's going to be three or four pounds lighter uh, for the race next week at Galway and that would be where I'd go obviously respecting the Ada McGuinness um however many quintet or whatever he might end up with uh, in the race some big shouts there anyway across uh, those two big handicaps from uh, day one and two at Galway for next week. Uh, it's time now to open up the notebooks, gents. Um, I don't think you'll be getting too much from myself, um, but I might come to Dermot Nolan first. Uh, Dermot, why don't you fire open the notebook for Galway and uh, and let us know what you're looking forward to running elsewhere across the meeting. It's hard to know exactly where they might all line up. Yeah, of course. Um, there's one horse anyway who only has one entry so far, and that is for Emmett Mullins and the Me family, which is nearly enough to Surprise. get to back, <laughs> which is nearly enough to get to, to back a horse at Galway. You don't need much more than the phrase Me family, really, uh, to to get overly excited. But teed up for Emmett Mullins. This is a horse who, when with Ken Condon, was rated ninety on the flat team, uh, one off eighty seven, ended up off eighty two. Was a very decent flat performer. Has been very quiet with Emmett Mullins, probably finding his feet there. And he'll run at Galway on the 540 on Monday. And he'll be in that race of a mark of 103. So he's effectively 13, 14 pounds than what he was at his peak as a flat horse. That's a not much there. You know, usually roughly it's 40 pounds you'd put between their their flat and jumps rating. And we know that doesn't always correlate, but that is kind of what we're looking at there. So teed up in the 540 on Monday is extremely interesting. In the 750 on Tuesday High altitude was third in the same race last year. Uh, one of the biggest eye catches of the whole week. Um, and that horse is now eight pounds lower coming into this year for same trainer, same everything else. I think he is definitely, um, definitely has a big, big shout there. 
And then in the 540 on Wednesday, Abraham is a horse that I've always liked uh, for the Brazils. And uh, his last winning mark is 115. He slipped right down to 111. He's ran well at Galway in the past. So Abraham in the 540 on Wednesday. And then just two more left in. I'm not sure where these horses are going. I have another one called Unanswered, but I'll let Conor O'Hare wax lyrical about him. Um, but the uh, Morning Soldier for Tom Mullins is a horse that I think will be winning off a mark of 80. Uh, he is a very, very good horse and he hasn't won yet, but he's saying Tom Mullins has landed a few nice touches at the Galway races in the past. So uh, Morning Soldier is one. And then the last one is Quizzical, who is second in the mile. Um, could well go back for for the mile again, but there's other handicaps now that that horse can can go for. It's uh, four pounds lower than last year. So could go in top weight somewhere else. Sheila Lavery, Dean, as we know, targets the Galway meeting, always seems to have a winner at least every single year. Um, so Quizzical. Is another one there, Dean, as well. All right, couple there that we're not quite sure where or when, but Quizzical Morning Soldier, uh, put them in the notebooks. Abraham could go Wednesday, high altitude on Tuesday, and teed up, looks like it's uh, teed up for Monday. See what I did there. All right, Connor, <laughs> uh, over to you. I know your notebook will have been, uh, well, bouncing away for the last couple of months with Galway in mind. Uh, Dan, I mentioned a horse called Unanswered. Um, if I was going to throw a dark horse into the mix, I'd definitely be throwing that one into the mix for the Breslins. Uh, where it will run, though, good luck with that. Entered Monday in the Connor, of course, also in a hurdle. Uh, could be in another different flat race on the Wednesday. Uh, good luck finding out where, but where it appears, I'd imagine there'll be money. Yeah, I think to, to hit the Breslins target uh, this meeting a lot. And yeah, he's, he's a horse on the improve. He's won his last four. And so yeah, he's wherever he's found, he, is he? No, he's not unfound, <laughs> but I think I think stepping up and trip again on the flat for two miles. Uh, I think he's in a two mile handicap on the flat on Wednesday. Uh, I think that that might uh, be where he ends up. But wherever he does wherever he does end up, he's won even to twenty or multis and stuff on the day. I think he's uh, he's improving and even going back over hurdles. Uh, the day he won over hurdles, I don't know how Brian Cooper won on him. He he looked like he was beaten with four or five furlongs to rate and race and ended up winning eight lengths. So um yeah, he's he's definitely He's definitely one on the improve. I mentioned Hallowed Star for the Sharks a bit earlier on. Wherever that runs, that's in the me colours as well. He's eight, he's rated 82 on the flat. He could even end up in a maiden on the I think, yeah, I think he's, he's one for sure. Uh, there's an interesting one in JP's for Joseph. Um, one at the car recently, but one very cosy. A horse called Common Practice. Uh, probably running a mile and a half handicap. I think that's a, a very interesting one. Dylan Brown, McMonagall, uh, he won the uh, Apprentice Derby on him at the Curra uh, a few weeks ago. So I think uh, that's another interesting one. We haven't really mentioned Dermot Wells that much. He's the man who uh, has targeted this meeting for a long time, probably not. And he, he's not the man, he's not the, the powerhouse he used to be, but he's still, he'll still have uh, plenty of darts to throw at the, at the, week, uh, at the week ahead. And uh, Tiverton is an interesting one. Uh, I like the maidens, the two-year-old maidens in, in Galway always throw up um, some good horses. And this, uh, this lad finished second to Proud and Regal at the Curra uh, back on Derby weekend. Proud and Regal uh, went out and won a group race yesterday, yesterday evening at the Curra. So I think Tiverton, if he turns up, he'll probably be uh, short enough price. But hopefully there's a maybe an Aidan O'Brien horse to take him on and make him a little bit of a price. He he ran a blinder that, uh, that first day. And another one of Dermot Wells, Ezeen, is a horse that won a maiden and Nace. Had a run on a handicap off uh, 85 for first run on a handicap. Didn't really get the rub of the green, was slow out of the stalls, got bumped around a bit early on and kind of got an easy, not an easy time, but kind of learned plenty, I'd say. And yeah, rocking back into handicap off 85, a seven furlong or a mile handicap should be interesting. And there's one from the Mark Fahey stable, Rebel Rose, who won a maiden hurdle the other day. Um, 
down. She yeah, she won a maiden hurdle only a couple of days ago, and off a mark of I think around 109, which is a merit handicap she might go for, and she uh, yeah she should go well in that. So there's a few there for who knows where they'll all run, but uh, hopefully a few winners amongst us. Love that, Connor. I mean, imagine we'd have got through this whole Galway preview without mentioning Dermot Well, That would have been some uh, faux pas, Tom Lee, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I remember in the good old days, we used to have the weldometer. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. We literally used to have a tally of his winners, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and the weldometer would be up into double figures after about six races. And you'd think, how does he do this? How does he do this? <laughs> he been hiding them? So he's a great man. He's still... Given the opposition, he is deadly. He's a wonderful trainer and a gent. So uh, love to see Dermot Weld there and his team in Galway. And as well, just the, the, the one other point, I think we can pick out, and the boys have just given some brilliant, brilliant stuff. Hallowed Star particularly echoes those thoughts. Uh, but it's about, as well, the trainers, because we get sucked into the, the big brigades. But at this meeting, down the years, think back to 2013, Tony Martin, Think of the year that Shark Hanlon ran riot and just kept producing winners. Think of Sheila Lavery every year. Think of the absolute genius, the dynamite, the canny, the shrewd, the elusive Emmett Mullins, who loves to turn up at this meeting with good horses. And then all of a sudden, that's part of the magic of Galway, announcing onto the stage the young talents coming through the, whatever you call it now, the the Connacht Hotel, the GPT, the amateur riders on the Monday. And you see some of the the really good talents that have gone on and been blooded on this stage, all part of the fabric and the, the rich picture that is Galway over these seven days. So not just the four-legged heroes, but of course the, the trainers and uh, and the jockeys who actually get to strut their stuff on this stage as well. Absolutely right. And you paint that picture, that's what Galway is. It paints pictures, it delivers storylines, it gives everyone um, a fantastic crack at winning on the biggest stage. And I can't wait for it to get started. It is time four naps before we wrap this up. Um, so Derma, you can go first. Give us your nap of the meeting, please, at Galway 2022. And you're on mute again. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, high Altitude Dean on the Tuesday of Galway for, uh, for the Murphys. Thank you very much. High Altitude will carry Derma Nolan's uh, colours for his nap of the week. Tom Lee. Oh, goodness me. I am going to go Hollywood and I'm going to go for an each-way double in the two races where I feel on a much, much safer footing than the, the flat races. Uh, so I'm sticking in the, um, the, the sure-footed territory, which is the plate and the hurdle. Uh, the each-way double will be nice each-way prices, the pair of them, uh, Fander Blues in the plate and Tax for Max in the hurdle. Love that, love that. A bit of uh, Munir double, double, is it? Double Munir? green, double, yeah. Yeah, double green, double green, double green. love that. Yeah. Double down. Okay, all good. Connor, over to you. Um, for the races, we know that what they're going to run in. I'll go Party Central in the Galway Hurdle and Common Practice, wherever that turns up, a little bit later on in the week for Joseph O'Brien. Love that. Thank you very much, Connor. I'm going to like go for the for the big one, as it's a tote special as well. I'm going to I'm going to put up the forecast. You can do it as a reverse forecast. Fire Attack and Boosleton in the plate will do me. Our thanks, of course, go to Dermot Nolan, Tom Lee, Connor O'Hare, uh, Cameron on production. The tote, of course, for getting involved with the race hour and sponsoring this ahead of the Galway races. We do wish everybody the very best of luck, of course, over the wonderful seven days at the Valley Brit. Uh, do get involved, do enjoy, and do do it all responsibly. Plenty will be going on. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news, and bookmaker reviews.